Hello, everybody, and welcome to Command Point. I'm Shane, and I am joined here by the disembodied voice of the winner of the Chicago Open and the TO of the upcoming New York Open, uh, Travis uh, Travis Chang, who we've interviewed in the past. So, Travis, how's it going? Doing good. I'm excited to talk about my Bird Boys. It was my first team I played this edition, so... All the way back, yeah, the... Uh... Yeah, the very first Kadri part of this edition. Mercenaries? The Cadre Mercenaries. Yeah, yeah, the Cadre Mercenaries. You could uh, eat people. You had a big boy. You got four dogs. But we're in a different world now. Yeah, we are not talking about those guys. We're talking about the new, very exciting Farstalker Kinband, who is a team that I've really taken a liking to in the past few, uh, past few months, almost said months, past few weeks. Um, and I've really been enjoying them. And, and you have, you know, as a lover of Kroot, you and I have been talking about Farstalker Kinman kind of back and forth for a couple weeks. And, you know, it's uh, it's a really fun team. It's a really interesting team. And I wanted to do it a little more justice by kind of going a little more in depth with this video and, and just kind of uh, talking about what we described as uh, in, in ode to our wonderful gunslinging um, Western pistolier, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Farstalker Kinband. And there's a lot of, uh, of all of those things here. So, yeah, um, all over the place for sure. So let's start. Uh, I want to, we're going to start with the good because that's a great place to start. And we are going to start. I, I want to just talk about the first thing that stuck out to me when I looked at this team. And that was 11 activations. Um, 11 activations is great. It's more than most teams. It's not quite up to the hordiest of hordes. But 11 activations is great, and uh, it can be 10 if you go double dog, but uh, I tend to go single dog and, uh, and and ensure that we get 11 activations. Um, it's I mean, to a, be, uh, to be it, fair, yeah, go ahead. Like, I think even the horde teams cap out at 12 actual like turns, basically, so 11 activations is good, and then the GA pair, so you have 10 activations, is it's still plenty good. You get like 11 models versus like the 14 models, but it's still split over the same number of activation turns, kind of. For sure. Um, yeah. And it, and honestly, it's sometimes, um, unless I really value like having a few more activations in my opponent, I found that on some missions, having double dog is still pretty good. Um, there are certain things that the dogs can really give trouble to in melee, and having that 10 inch charge is just vicious. Um, and there's one mission in particular on Into the Dark. I don't know if you've played it, but it's the one where you have to pick up objectives. Uh, um, yeah, I think I literally just played that one this weekend as Carskin, so... Yeah, so the Double Dog on there, you can have... Uh, if you can get those doors open, you can GA2 those dogs, do gather, run them in, and then run them back out, um, and just grab two of the uh, of those central objectives. And that can be pretty nasty, Um yeah, I played against Wormblade doing that basic strategy with hiding this yeah. weekend. And yeah, it was pretty much almost impossible to beat because you control like three objectives almost immediately and you just run away. So Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said that I think the whole pick up and drop mechanics were kind of clunkily added to this game and missions like that sort of show it off. But um, Croup definitely have some cheese there. But anyway. Um, no, it's good to know the cheese for any given team. So. Absolutely. Knowing that you can do pickup cheese with dogs or like mission action, like as long as they can do that kind of mission action, is it's good to know. And the same thing with like paired crutes for the GA2 on in the dark. I feel like GA2 just is much much better than it is on open. 
for sure. I, I can see that too. I mean, you, we're seeing some people really high on breachers uh, using yeah. that stuff as well. So, yeah, being able to like open a door, go on guard, and then have another guy run in, grab a thing is very powerful because the rooms are completely empty. So, yeah. those four shots from guard, even if they're hitting on fives, you have a reasonable chance of clipping someone. Yeah. And I've also, and the topic of big empty rooms, I've really been enjoying, you know, you can plop a barricade on an objective in that empty room, essentially empty room. And as long as your bird guy is deployed near that room, you can kind of create this dichotomy where your opponents don't get cover in that room, but you do, which is kind of cool as well. Yeah. Um, and speaking of things that give that matter, care about cover, the Kroot's primary ability in this case is Rogue, yes. where you get to double up on your retained cover saves. Mm -hmm. which is a definitely a very powerful ability if anyone has played against Wormblade and has played against yeah. it before. I feel like at this point, all the teams I like to play have something like this. Um, it almost it was to the point where I saw the intercession, how they could do something like this, and I was like, ooh, I want to do that. And then I realized there was better choices, but still, Rogue here for the crew is uh, it's huge for the durability. Yeah, if you're in cover, you get to retain twice. And if you play against the four ballistic skill teams a lot of the times they're only going to hit you with like three hits so just auto passing two of them is really powerful and you can also do the i think you can do the crit as well right yep you can do one yep. crit or two yeah. normal saves which a lot of the time uh i mapped this out a super long time ago because of the call agents but um a lot of the time it is even it's actually better to just take the crit um yeah yeah because it's just way harder to roll and like yeah, it's just, it's good. And, you know, every once in a while, people are depending on crits to be the thing that forces some damage through. Mm -hmm. Like, you get a crit and a hit. And saving the crit outright matters a lot, especially on eight wounds. So you actually hit a lot of breakpoints where if you fade the crit, you're not even injured on the way out. So, yep. yeah, it's a very That's powerful good. ability. And you get it across the entire team, the dogs, the leader, everyone. So, yeah. And I mean, so you were talking a little bit about Rogue in the context of... Um, kind of like being able to go engage a little more aggressively. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so a lot of teams start and conceal. They don't want to get shot at at all because the moment they get looked at, you die. Because a seven wound, five up save model, you might get one save. If someone hits you with three or four shots, you're pretty much always dead. Yeah. But with the crew and two retains, you can actually, and eight wounds, you can actually make it through a lot of shooting actions that can fell a lesser team and still keep your model on the return. So mm -hmm. it lets you start and engage a lot earlier than some other teams and get shots off that your opponent isn't ready for. For sure. And, you know, there's some synergy with the Firestock strategic ploy where I've really liked having a lot of engaged guys. And then in the event that you lose that that initiative role, you can use Firestock to switch a bunch of those guys to conceal, and now suddenly your opponent has quite a few less turn, uh, like top-of-turn uh, obvious moves too. So Yeah. Yeah, there's some good juking that you can do with some mm. of with that ploy. So, yeah, it's a it's a thing I like doing on all my teams. Is I don't generally play everything on conceal on turn one because it just limits too many of your options. But crew, you can just start on engage, start shooting, and you get away with it because you can double save against the lower ballistic skill teams as yeah. long as you're getting the benefits of cover. So there are a handful of teams that can that can nuke that. Like uh, Bobos get it with no cover on their base yeah. guns. Pathfinders, obviously. Yeah, intercession then, can get it in some ways. And then you, too. yeah, if they get a crit, and then Carskin kind of can do it. Yeah. So there's there's definitely ways to get around it, but it is a very powerful baseline ability across eleven models. 
Yeah, that AP two kind of shuts it off a little bit too. True. Yeah, yeah. Um, High but then again, AP. if you're if you're getting hit by AP two, you're dead anyway. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. You like that. your goal is if you can snipe out all of their high AP weapons early on, and it's just a normal shootout with the normal guns. Even though your guns aren't doing that much, yeah. you should take a lot less return damage compared to like Pathfinders or Vetguard, who just like your models are after they get shot, they're done. Yes, for sure. So I wanted to move on to the next of the good, which is one of the, my favorite things about this team, and that is really, really good equipment options and, and good ways to spend your EP. Um, I, I really like the ability to kind of tech your team out depending on what you're playing against. There's a lot mm -hmm. of teams like uh, Novitiates who have really good, really obvious choices like the auto-chastisers, and you're just going They're to worse. take those. They are worse now. Auto-chastisers just got nerfed. They got nerfed real hard, so That's they true. are less good now. Um, but um, yeah, there are teams yeah. with like auto takes, so yes. I do I definitely I definitely hear what you're saying. And then there's other teams that just have a bunch of garbage, and you kind of just take the least garbage thing. Crute uh, yeah. are different in the sense that I think they have a lot of actual good things, and the choices come down to which good thing is best suited for this particular matchup. Um, yeah, the, their best thing is obviously I think trophy is probably the the standout. Trophy is really that, good. Yeah, in that you can have effectively a comms model that didn't cost you an APL. It just costs you four equipment points, which is a lot. One of the one of the things that I have a kind of a problem with with the crude equipment is they put a big target on the model that you're putting the equipment on. Like if you give someone meat, your opponent knows a full third of your equipment points went into that option. So yeah, can be can be a little risky, especially mm -hmm. with something like trophy where it's you know forty percent of your equipment's. Definitely. And I, I've really been enjoying putting the trophy on something like the the like the like crossbow guy or mm -hmm. the long sight to kind of give them the full ability to get, to get a little movement while still like turning their kit online. Yeah. I think um, there's also like some cool things with Toxin Shot being really good against the melee-centric teams. Like if you shoot a Nightmare Hulk with stun, yeah. it just doesn't do anything. Yeah, Nightmare Hell just hate that stuff. Yeah, it's just like a dude wandering around. So taking five Toxin Shot equipment points and then having your cold-blooded with Toxin Shot in that matchup is just standing around, like, plinking away at these Nightmare Hulks and just getting trapped as everyone else takes their shots on it. So that is yeah. it's definitely good. Tyranids, too, if there's people playing mm -hmm. Tyranids, which mm -hmm. Tyranids, I've noticed in my local meta, there's always somebody playing Tyranids, no matter how many new spicy releases come out. Um so uh, just uh, there's a lot of teams, like you said. And, and then in particular, uh, the piercing shot against elite teams. Um, I'll take a, a, a crew rifle on my leader, give him a piercing shot, you know, throw a piercing shot on the pistol. Yeah, the um, pistol guy with the AP1, is he's quite good. Yeah, really good. And then um, just having that, and then you've got two already on the cold blood. Uh, and you have quite a few AP weapons on this team between, you know, those two, the cold blood... Uh, you've got your heavy gunner, whatever that may be, uh, your um, crossbow guy, and then you know your sniper doesn't really need AP to be effective most of the time. So no, he's he's good on his own. Yeah, you can really kind of put together a team that is pretty decent into these elite options. So I've been a big uh, big fan of the equipment choices. Yeah, to be fair, this team definitely plays as a shooting team where if you get too close to them, they will beat you up in melee if you've yes. taken damage on the way in. Yep. Like you really want to get into this team in melee fresh because if you're at half wounds you will definitely get crushed on the on the return oh for sure yeah and speaking of getting crushed in the return there are some like crazy vp plays that you can pull off right oh. i think you were talking about it 
So uh, somebody brought this up in the Discord, like offhand mentioned it as like a fun, like kind of cheese strategy. And so I started trying it out and I realized this is super easy to do and it's really good. Uh, and that is, uh, so with the mercenary contract tack op, you are for now, I don't know if this is going to change and I, I don't think it will personally, um, but you are technically allowed to take a tack op from an archetype that you didn't choose, which includes ones that you don't normally have access to. Yeah. So one of the ones I've been doing is taking uh, capture hostage and infiltrate from the infiltration deck, which is one that I loved with Wormblade, so I'm already really comfortable with yeah. it. And we're we're fully not allowed to take it. We get uh, recon, seek and destroy. Yep. Yeah, recon yep. and seek. And then yep. uh, so taking that capture hostage and infiltrate and trying to pair it with Robin Ransack, uh, taking the seek and destroy archetype. And what you can do is if you get a, a melee kill that fulfills both of those tech ops, you can do capture hostage and infiltrate, which removes your model from the kill zone. It doesn't incapacitate them. It removes yep. them from the kill zone, which basically automatically scores you two points on Robin Ransack as well. So you can get four points from a single melee kill. And if you're running uh, balance the book potentially, which I'm not a huge fan of, but this is probably the one way to I mean, do this it. Is, this is where I would for sure <laughs> yeah. do it. Is um, As long as you have more than half your guys, you're just yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, bam, that's six points out of a yeah. single melee kill. And I say, I give this team a lot of crap for not being particularly good at scoring, but there's something to be said for that nonsense. And it's really not very difficult. It's combining a lot of things, but I've tried I mean, the it other, a few times. The other thing I've, is you can do it with a crude hound. So you don't have to yeah. do it with like a melee special. You can just send dog yeah. on a flank where someone just like lost a dude or there's just a guy sitting around. You just, he's just gone. Yeah. He's just done. He's one of the done times I've done points. it. Yeah. One of the times I've done it has been with the crude hound. So it's like, it's not hard to do. I've not failed to get it in any game that I've run both on. So that is probably one of the strongest plays you can do with Crew at the moment. And I, I don't mean, when foresee I it changing. Yeah, when I was playing Compendium Crew, I played Infiltration a lot because it allowed you to use your dogs to also score secondaries, yeah. which was really powerful. Like having Implant with Crew Hounds or, you know, Capture Hostage was the one that I actually did a lot because yeah. the dogs could do it. It was great. I was like, oh, my dog is... Yeah. You know, I charge it over to a model off in the enemy distance. <laughs> I killed it. I'm like, you know what? We're done. He's done. He's yep. he scored his two points. It was great. Um, yeah. So and those, those very powerful charges. Combo. Those tennis charges cannot be understated. When it yeah, happens, I've, your opponent is always like, "Wow, that was not something I was really looking at." I mean, um, the best part is that you can even pay for it, so it's a ten-inch charge, with ignoring traversal fees. So it kind of plays like a twelve-inch charge in terms of how some of the rooms are laid out. So. A lot of times when I played Cadre Mercenaries, who just had no idea where the dogs were coming from, and they always got they always got someone. Yeah. And that ploy is crazy because it's it's not the oh, first boy. time that you would traverse or climb or anything. It's the first two circle or the first circle each time you climb or traverse. So it's like oh, traverse. I didn't even read it that way. Oh, I man. had to yeah, I had to be like told that after a few times of playing oh yeah games, actually so. that that does look yeah and open those dogs are yeah crazy that is a fast team yeah uh anyway so and then of course the one the one really great thing about this team um is the flex capability and do you want to talk about that a little bit uh yeah i mean i did the same thing with uh hunter clade at chicago where because you have models that are good at melee and shooting you can play whichever side your opponent is weaker on so, for example, like Vetguard, 
only a really good shooting team. They have one melee threat. Yeah. So you can shoot until they get a little bit closer, and the moment you get closer, your guys can all charge and switch gears, and your opponent really doesn't have good tools. Or like this weekend when I was playing Carskin against Wormblade, my Carskin, all of them hit on fours and melee, so a Wormblade operative just charging with a cult knife with four attacks, and I just couldn't do anything. Right. So this team can do something similar where they start off shooting or they start off you know, pressuring with some of the melee uh, operatives to get people into weird positions, and then you can hit them where they're weakest, which is great. Yep, and this is something they kind of have in common with their uh, counterparts in their box, the, the Navis Breachers. I've heard a lot of people talking up the fact that they're able to do melee and shooting uh, on a lot of those operatives. And yeah. there's, there's something to be said for that, for sure. Yeah, the Breachers are... An interesting one because they hit on fours, but they do a lot more damage than the average person because they're doing three four damage, which in a lot of the seven wound matchups is a big break point. Because if you get hit by a crit, you just everything else is lethal. Yeah. So, yeah. Granted, right. it feels like it's the crude are the long range and the breachers are the short range in the box, but yeah, yeah. for sure. Weirdly, but we've got plenty of things that are not great. Yes. Yeah, so let's move on to the bad. Uh, of of the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're on to the bad now. So the first thing I want to talk about in um, on the topic of that of that melee threat, uh, they only have three attacks on most of their melee guys. Uh, they're hitting on threes. It's damage three four, so it's pretty solid against most things. But three attacks, even on the stalker who is kind of a melee specialist, and the leader who you would expect him to have four, I suppose. Uh, three attacks. Uh, you can up this to four with a strategic play, but it still kind of doesn't feel great. They don't end up playing like melee specialists. They play as guys who can switch gears to finish people off in melee. That's really what three attacks implies. And that was the same way with um, the compendium team where yeah. you really were trying to like soften people up and then you got a couple of dudes with knives on four attacks that could really go for it. But they're not a super melee specialist team. They're like... Mm -hmm. They can finish people off in melee really efficiently, but that's basically it. Because three attacks on threes, you're getting two hits. I don't think anyone has ever really died in this format in two hits. Usually not, no. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty hard. I I do love the stalker. Uh, once you're able to get that stealth attack to uh, APL ability mm -hmm. off, I wish... I get that it's a stealth attack, but I wish you could just do it in melee and just forego the charge, but you have to be out of melee, which sucks. And it's only a six inch oh, charge. I see, I see. Yeah, you yes. Yeah. Um, the stalker, if anyone doesn't know, is the concealed melee specialist on the crew team. When it charges out of when it charges for stealth assault, it only has a six inch charge, but when it attacks, it can use two attacks at the same time. Yes. Which is the same wording from Phobos. It can be really good because if you get four and three damage on a crit and normal you can just end someone yeah it's super yeah. good um but again like and he comes guy, and he comes with a, a shotgun so yeah yeah he's he's a really good trophy dude too i assume yeah i could see that um yeah i i love that model it is a shame that you have to pay uh to get him four attacks even though he is clearly meant to be there granted he has balanced and rending so I've yeah. been able to do work with him with his three attacks uh, yeah. on some teams, but it's still not great. Yeah, it's really annoying that there are a couple operatives that start at four but get capped at four. Like, you're never allowed to go over that because I guess that's just the uh, the realm of the superhumans for it's space marines all, which, yeah. is, which is really annoying conceptually. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I and I don't think that like the Cutskin would enter like OP tier if he had five attacks personally. <laughs> but no, no, he would just okay. he would just shred the seven wound models and then still struggle against the Space Marines because Space Marines just have so many wounds. Like right. a Space Marine is probably still going to beat you in melee if he charges you, which mm-hmm. I think is yeah, it just it sucks. So it's definitely a for sure a downside is that you get three attacks on a melee team, but if you go at it from like your shooting team first and you can melee, then it it works out a little bit better mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the the point here with the bad is these things are you can work around them in in the bad um and it's it's just kind of a bummer at worst that it has to work this way but there are workarounds so moving on to the next thing um they're flimsy uh and this is kind of to be expected so it's maybe a little bit of a nitpick a little bit shallow of a criticism but um even with rogue uh 11 bodies um they can drop pretty quickly if if your opponent is capable of getting around that cover whether it's moving within two inches of you or having no cover as a rule um they can drop very very quickly with their five up save and their eight wounds so that's just been uh a thing that i've been grappling with and it's mostly from the perspective of they so in those instances they just don't feel like the kind of team that is necessarily needing uh, one less operative compared to some of these twelve operative teams. So yeah, that's just yeah. my take. I think it's just very punishing, especially in in the dark where there's almost no actual cover mm-hmm. around. So there's only so many spots that you can actually get the benefit of rogues, which is why I feel like on open, they're probably better because you are pretty much always in cover if you really want to be. Yeah. So then you get the benefit just way more naturally, which is good. And yeah, this team definitely feels like it could have just been 12 operatives and not been broken, but it maybe 12 operatives against breachers was really, really hard. Cause you could have taken two hounds two GA two dudes. And it would have, maybe it was overwhelming in that case possibly yeah yeah uh and then do we want to talk about the tech ploys a little bit uh what your thoughts yeah. are on the tech ploys because i found that it was a little bit they have good ones for sure yeah um, they've got one good one they've yeah. got vengeance for the kin band which is when someone kills a model you can mark them and then you get relentless against that guy for the, un- basically until he's dead right yep until they die then you're yeah. able to use the ploy again right but so that is actually yeah. pretty good yeah. But it caught, I mean, that's the one that that's the one out of the four because we've talked about mercenary contract, which is used pre game, so that doesn't really come into play. So we got two left we've got slip away, yeah. which is cheap fallback, which is okay. I mean, yeah, you know, that's definitely not a bad ploy, it's just expensive, it's just it just is. And then the other one is, um, you can do a mission action in front of someone, and the only you don't it doesn't matter about control or anything else, mm-hmm. which is cute. Yes, in my okay. handful of games, I have used. Uh, it's poach, right? That's what. It's yeah, called. poach. Correct. I used poach once, mm-hmm. um, and it was nice. It felt like you know it's this kind of niche thing that once in a great while you're going to use, and it might save your butt. I haven't used slip away once, and I think the reason for that is because if, if I'm in a position where I'm going to be in melee, and I'm able to fall back, I've probably used cutthroats that turn, and I'm okay with attacking. Yeah. Um, maybe again, some teams I really just want to get out of there. And uh, maybe it's a melee or one of my shooty guys who has a good shooting weapon. So uh, there's that. Um, 
But uh, yeah, and mercenary contract, it doesn't feel good so much as it feels like I kind of just need it. Like it's almost like a tax um, and it is good, but it, it doesn't feel great to use, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, having only one real tack up that you can use regularly means that you're really plant banking on your strat ploys doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And to be fair, all of them are good at different times, but it is nice when you can have like two or three different things that are good. Mm-hmm. So, and, yeah. and they end up being kind of CP starved because of all this. Like you kind of start down a CP with mercenary contract. You've yeah. got these great strat ploys that you're you're using at least one of them every turn. And then you know if you're against an elite team, you're more likely to be popping vengeance for the kin band. And so these other two ploys, these other two te- uh, tactical ploys, sometimes they don't even get the chance to like see the the board a lot of the time. Like all your CP is like fully budgeted by the time you're yeah. getting to like oh I could have used it here. I could right. see that. Uh, one thing I have fallen into, and this is about a strategic ploy, but Prey, it's probably the ploy that I've used the most. And mm. it's also a ploy where I constantly find myself wishing I didn't bother using it. Um, and and I think you just need to be very careful about when you use it. And getting that balance is really good, but I'll, I'll use it. And then I'll go a whole round and I'll I'll only get one shot off where I actually get to use Prey. And I'll yeah. feel really silly because that was basically just a CP reroll. Yep, yep, yep. If um, you don't get two preys off, it's it's not doing anything. Yes. And pray for everyone listening who doesn't know is if your model wants, you can switch to balanced and heavy as an additional profile for your guns. Yes, which yeah. is which, nice. It could be it good. Is. Yeah. Is there something? I'm pretty sure you can have multiple instances of balance, right? So the pistolier can balance twice. I actually don't know. I've been. I wasn't sure, so I've been playing. I've always played it that way, way, but uh, well, so that one maybe maybe we're actually uh, maybe that's wrong. (laughs) I I have no idea. A little bit, but that's Um, always how I read balance. Balance basically is you get two rerolls. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. I I don't know. That's actually probably worth looking up. Yeah, I'll take I'll take a look at that later. Um. Anyway. Um. uh, Do you want to take us to the next next one? Yeah. The ugly. The uh, yeah the the ugly. Of which um, there's a few. So where where I said the bad are the kind of the things that are unfortunate, but you can work around it. The ugly are just kind of like the flat downsides that you don't really work around. You just kind of have to live with it. So the the biggest one for me that I've been struggling with, and this kind of ties into what we were talking about with, with Mercenary Contract, is that is like scoring in general and their faction tech ops. Um, they aren't great. Uh, no, yeah, and, their faction tech ops feel, yeah, pretty bad. Outside of the the kind of like cheesy thing that you yeah. can do with balance the books, I think their third one is okay. Where your opponent marks one of their guys, if you kill him, you can go confirm the bounty. Yeah, it's good against an elite team. Yeah, that's basically where you would run it, but yeah. none of it feels particularly good. And butcher is just a flavor fail for me. It's like, tough. I feel like if I'm running butcher, I have to run two dogs to like get those easier pickups and i don't really yeah. want to run two dogs most of the time yeah I, I would i would probably expect that if you never take butcher you're probably not that far off from being optimal would be my guess yeah like i and it also when i the few times i've taken butcher i like hesitate to kill something at long range because oh it's going to be really hard for me to go get that butcher token because it's so far away and that's never a choice you want to have to make so um and then balance the books is there's some cheese with it, but oh my goodness, it's hard enough to get 
multiple max tech ops with this team outside mm-hmm. of the Robin Ransack stuff I was talking about. But having yeah. to do it while keeping more than half your team alive is yeah. uh, it's asking a lot. And um, I'm not a huge fan. So um, they get access yeah. to Seek and Destroy and Recon, though, aside from that. I do think that Recon is generally pretty good. Like, mm-hmm. I use Recon a lot because generally turn one is a lot of setup. And on In the Dark, it's really a setup turn a lot of the times. So having Triangulate and Plant Signal Beacon and, like, stuff that you can kind of position to do is nice. Yeah. And the dogs are really good at moving you up for overrun if you can keep them alive. Yeah. So there's probably like a positional game that you could play that is reasonably good. And I've generally found good success with Recon. But mm-hmm. Recon, in the context of balance the books, is probably almost impossible. It's tough. Um, yeah. And if you're playing on Into the Dark, which a lot of people who are playing Crew may be playing their, their first few games on Into the Dark, Recon's yeah. a bit harder there. Um, yep. You can kind yep. of forget about maxing triangulate which is considered to be one of the better ones yeah um vantage is gone Uh, plant signal beacon is at the end of the game which is probably when you're least likely to have more than half of your operatives left yeah yeah Uh, so it's it's rough out here for the far sucker as far as scoring yeah i do like retrieval with the dogs um but there are some areas on into the dark where it is very difficult to to get to that i feel like retrieval on in the dark is there's there are two maps where it's good like junction assault and then the other map where it's a hamburger deployment that you can yeah. see your opponent's deployment, those are probably okay. But a lot of them, it's like the doors block off your opponent's drop zone. So if they're measuring three inches out, you're like, I'm just yeah. never going to make it to that side of the yeah. map. Yeah, so... And, uh, so so we've determined that two out of their three tack ops are pretty bad, the other one being situational. Most of the recon options are pretty rough. And then you look at Seek and Destroy, you can take off Challenge, that's bad. Execution's not great with this team. Deadly Marksman is doable, but it's not amazing. Um, on Into the Dark, route can be pretty tough, but generally speaking, I do like route on open board. Yeah. Um, uh, Robin Ransack, I think, is probably their best tack op of all the ones they have normal access to. I really like this one. And uh, what's the last What's the last one that I'm forgetting? Uh, execution, execution, Deadly Marksman. Headhunter. Yeah, Headhunter. Uh, Headhunter is... is okay uh yeah that's okay because it's first two turns usually but yeah 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 it's to be fair yeah it's just rough like unless you're doing that combo the the points combo it's probably always rough for them yeah you just don't have a great spread like recon is okay but then you're not playing balance the books and you're just playing a recon strategy Mm -hmm. which is okay because you can take bounty hunters which is kind of like a seek and destroy option inside of your recon so that's generally been a good mix i think because you can remove the well you have to remove vantage but after removing Vantage, like Butcher is probably okay against Elites because there's only six meats. So maybe you can get away with it. Yeah, if you kill that's two when, of them, that's a one yeah. point. And you got to kill three to get two points. So yeah, not terrible. Um, not terrible. It's not great because who knows how far away that meat's going to end up. Yeah. And I guess on this topic, um, as far as other uh, mercenary contract choices go, um, we talked about Capture, Hostage, and Infiltrate. I also really like um, uh, plant sig or not plant plant banner. Plant banner, um, yeah, because you can put it on a dog, right? Yep, put it on the doggy. He runs super fast. He can get there at any point, almost. Stay on, con- stay on conceal. Hide him in yeah. the corner. And your opponent's just like, I know what that dog is going to do, but I'm not going to send <laughs> two models off to go fight a concealed dog. Yeah. Well, what's great is a lot of the time your opponent doesn't know because mm. maybe not. Maybe they're not expecting you to take plant banner because it's not yeah. one of your normal choices. 
Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some sneakiness with it. Um, yeah. I'm a fan of that. But I think Capture, Hostage, and Infiltrate is just so, so good with this team. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that really... combo sounds very, very dope. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the one thing that in my games of Crew has made my opponents be like, whoa, like that was cool. And I mean, we don't have a lot of those moments with Farstalker Kin Band. Yeah, I think on In the Dark, to be honest, like a lot of the primary missions... If you're playing a competitive game, they they stay pretty tight. Yeah. They don't swing out wildly, so it really does come down to scoring your secondaries efficiently. Mm-hmm. And being able to swing six points in one activation with no recourse is very, very scary. Yeah, it's pretty crazy sometimes. Yeah, and it's probably worth doing. And then, But yeah, so as far as one of the other primary ugly things is their ballistic skill is just atrocious, right? Yeah, fours. Um, granted, fours. there's prey to get around it. There is. There's your leader who can like it, yeah. you can work around it, but it's it's real rough. Hitting on fours naturally just means that you it's really hard to depend on shooting to do anything super yeah. reliably. And because you are primarily a shooting team, because it's really where your strength is at, it's rough. <laughs> Fortunately, you've got the cold blood, who is probably he's up there. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, he's team. he's definitely one of the best models on the team. Um easy the the long sight also gets three up um the leader with heavy. of course with having yeah. Yeah. yeah um the leader if you take a crew rifle which has kind of been my go-to um i know you have some thoughts on the photon grenade which i'd like you to explore yeah uh, so against like you know nightmare hulks and other melee specialists losing dash and in losing two inches of movement just means that the dude is just standing in the room most of the time <laughs> yeah so one of the funny strategies for Compendium Tau that is really good is you can take five photon grenades and they're infinite, so you can just yeah. keep throwing photon grenades. So that that is very obnoxious. So having one usage with a reasonably good gun is not a bad thing if you're playing against like Nightmare Hulks, you're playing against like six assault intercessors. So it's a good thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about what your matchups are going to look like. For sure. Uh, the one that's hurt me the most with the four ballistic skill is the crossbow. Um, yeah. because I'll, I'll set up all the stuff where I, where I give the crossbow lethal five and it's got AP one and then it rolls like three, three or two yeah. threes and a two and then like a five. And I'm like, Oh, well this is <laughs> sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hitting on fours with your theoretically your big gun, one of your big guns is, and then, you know, the bow accelerator hits on fours and also the heavy gunner. If you take the tribalist also hits on fours. Yeah. So. I actually haven't used the tribalist yet. No, I've only been using. I'm going to be using it much either. So the Skinner is just so so good. Yeah, no, the Skinner seems oh. crazy powerful, and on in the dark it seems really good. So for anyone who doesn't know, the flamethrower variant on the Crute is six attacks on twos, two three AP two, and cumbersome. So you can only move six inches, mm-hmm. but because it has torrent on in the dark, it's also lethal five. So it's just like, yeah, yeah, it's it's nice, but um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I do agree that the um, the the shooting uh, elsewhere leaves a bit to be desired. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you um, you were talking a little bit to me before we recorded about the synergy and, and kind of yeah. how these teams interact, how the, the operatives interact with one another. So if you want to elaborate on that. Yeah, so when, I, when you look at a team like Pathfinders, there's not a lot of individual model synergy that matters for a lot of other things outside of kind of basic stuff like medics do aura bubbles which is fine but they're mostly depending on marker lights from other guys and then their guns are all equally good right like if you kill if you kill their iron rifle it sucks for them but the four five 
basic gun can still kill you really easily. Mm-hmm. Vet guard, they've got seven or eight really good range threats. So if you kill one, it's replaceable. You still have another one. And they're not really depending on... There is synergy that matters, but their guns... Because they there's so many of them, you don't... One of them dying doesn't really matter that much. However, on Crute, if you lose your your tribalist or your skinner before they do their job, it's going to be a rough game. Yeah. That is definitely a thing. Um, I've, I've run into that where, you know, the skinner dies early on against an elite team, and it's like, well... There goes one of my best ways to to actually combat these teams. So yeah, or if like you lose your your pet your comms guy early, you just don't have a way to like reasonably have your guys do more than what they look like. Like right. they are very reliant on a handful of guys buffing your other dudes. Like if you lose your leader early, losing that free retain every turn, that's gonna be that's gonna make your shooting just miserable for sure. You and that's need, actually need, one of the reasons why. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I think they're better on open as well as I've noticed on Into the Dark. I'm not being I don't always see somebody with my leader until mm-hmm. like the later rounds. So, yeah, that's a huge problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, a lot of like overlapping synergy that if they don't really use, it's like yeah, you're great. Your basic dude with four up shooting for the bolters. You're, it's not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that um, kind of like leads into them feeling very taxed on CP, which is a thing that you mentioned right yeah so that's the next thing which which i have labeled premiums and it feels like this team has to pay a lot of premiums to kind of stack up and and fight evenly in a lot of ways um obviously comparing it to pathfinders is it's kind of a dead point it's beating a dead horse because (laughs) pathfinders are quite good um but you know looking at pathfinders they don't have to pay to get their marker lights they don't have to pay to get their shooting buffed a little bit they can. They have abilities built in that let them do this. Mm-hmm. Um, crew, if they want truly reliable melee, they pay a CP. If they want reliable tack op scoring, they pay a CP ahead of time. If they want a little bit more reliability on their shooting, they have to pay a CP. It just kind of feels bad after a while. Like, why can't they just be self-sufficient? Um, yeah. and, and having to pay for all these things, it really stacks up over a game, and it leads them to being... A little more CP hungry, yeah. uh, which feels I, bad. I think there was definitely like a flavor miss here, where they could have given you something to aim for, where you get a CP back for getting a kill with something. Mm-hmm. They're mercenaries, letting them set a goal and then get something back, or giving them a little bit of a heal every now and then for eating people would have been nice. I wish. You know, yeah. I, was, I was looking at their. Um, I was scrolling through Waha PD earlier because I saw that they finally got the teams up, and mm-hmm. I scrolled. A little too far down and i reach the narrative stuff and <laughs> dude they it, look so cool they look really cool i don't normally play narrative but i was looking at some of these these the stuff that they get and i'm like oh this is so interesting and i kind of wish some of this flavor made its way into into the normal matched play stuff but um so if you're if you're a narrative uh campaign person and you're you're playing you're interested in playing crew seriously take a look those those are some cool uh little little tidbits that they get there um so i want to go slightly off script here and uh before we wrap up and stuff i want to uh i want to like kind of give one little tidbit of info that a lot of people miss um with crew and then you can go ahead and do one of your own but in all my games that i've played i've noticed everybody kind of misreads the the tracker and specifically the mark for the hunt with the pecker token Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, for starters, the one thing that people do not realize is that the tracker does not need visibility on the enemy operative that it is marking. So what you you can you can mark a guy that is fully, uh, that hasn't gone yet. Fully unseen, right? Yeah, fully unseen and is the nearest guy, the most likely enemy operative to be running out onto an objective kind of between where the tracker is and where that operative is. And there's, let's say there's a barricade on that objective. You can preemptively mark that model for the hunt. And now they cannot safely run out onto that objective and get cover. They don't get any cover at all. And all that matters is that the any of your models that are shooting this model once they're there are also within six inches of the Pekra token. So if you position your Pekra token in a way that it is fully within six inches of the, the objective that you want to protect, or I guess force them to stay away from, um, just make sure you're, you're doing it in a way that it, it's not further than it needs to be because your models also need to be within six inches of that Pekra token. So you, the first few games I played with Crude, I did nothing with the tracker. I was like, this guy sucks. Oh. He's so useless. What is he doing? Oh, man. And then a few games in, I started to realize the play patterns that are necessary with the tracker. And yeah. once you kind of get him kind of get him online, he's very, very good. And, and he's a good piece for... Because I always, like, I'll mark a guy with the tracker, and my opponent's like, oh, but you can't see him. And it's like, well, you don't need to see him. You just pick a guy, and... The bird's sudden, just watching him. Yeah, the bird is watching him, and if he moves out... He's not going to get that cover. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing I've learned. Uh, reread that tracker ability like 50 times. Get it melted into your head because if you can start properly using the tracker and that ability, I think you're going to get a lot more mileage out of him. So, Travis, yeah. did you have anything? Uh, I think one of the things that would probably be good is um, using the Pistolier is probably one of your last operatives at the on early turns because mm -hmm. what you really want to do is you want to have two things set up for it so that it's ready at the beginning of a turn and you can dash out to like set up for a, a double shoot the following turns so you want it to be like as safe as possible until you're ready to be able to lose an initiative because if someone goes to shoot it you want to be able to shoot back with an ap1 balanced lethal five three yeah. four pistol all right so like for the sure. quick you really want to set up a position where you can either get a quick draw or you can get the the more fun part right mm -hmm. so i think that would be that's a good way to use the pistoliers like set it set them up as a closer end of the turn trap so you can move into position which i don't think is like super obvious up front for sure and another thing that people miss that i actually recently learned about that guy um well i didn't it's not that i recently learned this but it's just it clicked for me when i saw some people talking about it um and that's while you're activating a model it's still ready it's not it's not it doesn't stop being ready until you're finished activating them so if you're playing on Into the Dark and there's an enemy operative on guard and you move your pistolier within six of them, they can go ahead and take that guard shot, but you can still do your your gunslinger ability to shoot them first. All that this is going to prevent you from doing is shooting again later in your activation, but it's a pretty interesting thing to kind of try and bait that out and, and shoot yeah. them first. So Yeah, you, you can use it to trigger an on guard. And then if you get lucky, you can probably end the dude. Yep, and he might not get to shoot at all. <laughs> and if yeah. he does shoot, there's a good chance he's injured. Very cool. All right, so, I mean, I think I like that we finished, by the way, on the Pistolier to wrap up our theme of the good, the bad, and the ugly. It just feels really good. Um, I guess that kind of wraps up all of the things we wanted to talk about. So, Travis, before we finish, uh, is there anything you want to shout out? You're TOing the New York Open in uh, 
in, in New York City in less than a month from now. Um, yeah. Go ahead and, and take the take the stage. Yeah, we're running a big two-day, six-round, 48-person tournament in New York called the New York Open. It'll be the first time we're running it. It's on November 12th to 13th. The first day will be open terrain, and the second day will be in the dark terrain. So we got a little bit of mix, mixed terrain. And we have two one-day narratives. The first day on Saturday is called Claustrophobia, and the second day is The Hunt for Sunday. Nice. And they're both unique narratives. We've I've been doing narrative stuff for the last year. They should be a more chill experience with a lot of crazy, crazy stuff going on. We've got a, mm. we've got trench boards, special in the dark maps, and maybe some older pieces from Warhammer's history. So it would be a great time. We've got, I think we're halfway full on everything. Maybe nice. definitely more full on the narrative stuff. So if you're interested in narratives and you can make it out to New York, come on down. It'll be a great time. Yeah, run those, run those Firestalkers. Use those spec ops. Yeah, um, for sure. And I'll be there. Uh, not playing, unfortunately. I'm I'm in Brooklyn just like coincidentally that weekend, um, and I, I already had plans there, so I can't play in the tournament. But I might swing by one of the days and uh, hang out, and that should be a fun time. Yeah. Uh, so anything yeah, else you want to shout out before we wrap up? Um, I think it's just you know we've got a we have our Instagram handle, the Brooklyn Rats. That's my team. That's the one of the teams that's helping to run the New York Open. And we've got a we've got the help of all the LGSs in our area. So if anyone here is on the fence on going to their first tournament, please come by. We've done a lot of first timer tournaments, and this should be a good one because you'll get a lot of reps. And there's one thing I've learned playing this game is the more reps you get, the better you get. The distance between zero games, one game, one game, three games, and three games, like eight games, is massive in terms of just like. Yeah, you're just a, a so much better player just having played like three or four games. For sure. And that, that is so true, especially with the crew, uh, <laughs> as, as I've realized. So um, to, to wrap this up, I want to thank everybody who uh, is watching this video. If you stumbled upon us and you're not subscribed, uh, give that a consideration because we are pumping out Kill Team content at least weekly. Uh, we try, and there's, there's a lot of other stuff on the channel right now if you want to check that out. Uh, huge shout out, as always, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash command point. We actually did an interview with Travis and uh, Leela also from the Brooklyn Rats that is uh, an old podcast from a couple, probably more than a couple months ago at this point, um, after uh, I believe it was KTO where we interview these two. So if you guys want to check that out, uh, head over to our Patreon. It's kind of like a tip jar for us these days and uh, helps us keep the lights on at command point. And uh, again, just thank you for watching. This is Shane from Command Point. Thank you so much, Travis, for coming out and talking about Crew with me. I uh, appreciate yeah. that as always. Always a pleasure. And thanks. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, thanks for having us or having me. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, have a good day. Go play some Crew. That's all. <laughs>